Hey, listener, we would love it if you could take a quick moment to give our podcast a review on iTunes, Spotify, or leave us a message on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages. Also, we're excited to announce some mini refresher podcasts being released on this channel next week. It's a collection of five to eight minute long segments meant to keep our listening skills sharp. Welcome to the Our Community Listens podcast. My name is Adam Salga, and today is April 28th, 2020. With me today is Leader of Curriculum Improvement and Development for Our Community Listens, Sarah Weisbarth. How are you doing today, Sarah? Adam, I am, um, I'm going to tell you I'm doing well today. I am actually feeling a lot of stress around what feels like, I'm just going to call it change. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really interesting because I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Yep, absolutely. You said you wanted to talk a bit about change and how different disc tendencies deal with it. And then we want to transition that into our logic and emotion. Yeah. So let's, let's jump into that, if you don't mind. Tell me a little bit about how the D tendency will deal with change. Well, I'm going to back the truck up a little bit and talk about why we're even talking about change. That's a good point. Um, we just had... <laughs> We had the opportunity to do a webinar just last week, and I think actually one is happening today, about living in an ever-changing world. Mm -hmm. And we felt that that was really relevant based on what we're facing in a worldview right now on April 28th, 2020, but also in the realization that change is always happening around us. If we shift back and think about it, we hear that idiom all the time that, you know, the only constant is change. Mm -hmm. So whether it's change because of what's happening as a, as a world crisis, whether it's change in our country, in our region, in our organization, in our family units, in, in groups that we care about, if we really pause and think about it, change is happening always and often. Absolutely. We've done podcasts in the past, and we'd have to go back and plug in what number they are. I should have looked them up that explain the change process and how people go through that process of change. And it involves like being come aware that the change is happening, that then we feel some anxiety or some sort of emotion around change. Then we can work towards a, a space of acceptance and rationalizing the change. Then we get bought into it. Like, okay, I can, I can get on board with this and then prepare for the change and then act upon it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can see that play out in our worldview right now, right? I think a lot of people are feeling anxious, are feeling emotion related to changes that are happening in their lives. And that's where we're going to get to like, well, if I'm feeling all of that emotion, how do I bring my logic back in balance? That's where we're going to hopefully end our time together. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what I want to start to talk about is that middle piece, right? So like we're aware the change is happening. We're nowhere experiencing some sort of emotion. Well, how do we work on accepting the change, getting bought in and moving towards action around it? And that really ties back to what you just said. So like, how does this relate to our disc tendencies? Yep. And I think that's always a good, as we went through it in the last podcast, it's always a good opportunity for us to 
look at people in, in certain with certain personality traits in the disc tendencies, knowing that they can be different, but it at least helps us step through it to identify those around us and including ourselves and how this might look for us. Yeah. I had a wonderful conversation with one of my colleagues last week, and it was the most gracious conversation and it had everything to do around change. And as it relates organizationally, we're always developing new content. We're coming up with new strategies to bring different material to our audience. And I've been talking about it and sharing it. And uh, one of the individuals, one of my colleagues was really struggling with it. She was like, she just was just having a hard time. And in her mind, this is what she called to say to me, in her mind, she was being resistant. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just, I just need to tell you, I'm, I'm really sorry. Cause I feel like I've been resisting you in every conversation we've had for the past couple of weeks around content development. And in, she went on to share that she realized what was happening for her is that because there was so much change going on in the rest of her life, right. because of what's happening in our world or what's happening in her life is that what felt like another change was just really too much for her to process and, and, and to bear. And so her response, right? Like if we go back to that emotion, her response was resistance. And I, I wish our audience could see us right now because I'm literally like using my hands to like push back. Right. Um, and I thought it was so gracious of her to call me and, and have that conversation. And it really points to what we talk about when we use our skills and why they matter because what could have felt like resistance now has come to an understanding. It sounds like the two of you had opportunity then to really grow and connect. And she took that opportunity to say, and that this is really dumbing it down, but Hey, it's not you. It's me. Kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like, when I say it was so gracious, right? Like for her to be aware, right? I actually Mm -hmm. said, I was like, wow, for starters, you don't need to apologize because I could see what was happening and we're just going to work through this together. Sure. But thank you for sharing with me your process through the change and what you're, you're walking through. Like that was an honoring gift to just even reach out and, and share that personal growth with me. So I share all of this just to give some like realistic context when, when we are under stress, when we've got a lot going on, we're going to all respond a particular way mm-hmm. when it comes to how are we processing change. Like we talked about, I'm going to say last week. I know it wasn't last week, but in our very <laughs> last podcast, I'm so glad you're here to keep me on track. No, you, can, you can just <laughs> say last podcast. Our listeners, are they're following along. They're, they're with us. <laughs> I'm so glad. Um, so as we talked about last time, as it relates to disc tendencies and those disc tendencies on fire, they're on fire in the midst of change too, but we can mm-hmm. also use our disc tendencies to help us manage through it. So I'm going to go back to your original question. Can I jump in quickly? Please do. When I'm thinking about the disc tendencies and D, it reminds me of our conversation with um, Kathy Fuse Hobum from Space Inc., and talking about the change that they're going through as an organization. And if I remember correctly, her, her tendency is a D. Mm-hmm. And for her, change generally excites her. Yep. And is that, is that true for most common characteristics of a D? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like when you look at the tendencies of Ds, Ds love change. Ds are usually the ones initiating the change. 
D's like, are like, cool, this is a change. I can see how we're going to do it. Now let's just go do it. Like they like skip and jump through the box of what we call the change box. Interestingly enough, what we're seeing when they can't control the change, hmm. right? Because if we go to the psychological needs of a D is their need to control okay. their environment. So if they're not dictating the change, yep. or if it's a change situation that they cannot control, that's going to be really difficult for them. I would say that what a lot of them and what most of us are in right now, there's a lot of change happening that we don't have control over. There's only certain aspects of it that we do get to control. Yes. And I know that we focus a lot on the D's and about control, but we're all trying to manage our space and our environment in one way or another. We all need that locus of control. D's just, they excel when they're able to direct and guide processes and direct a vision. And so when it's something that's so unknown and so out of their control, it's going to be very difficult for them to manage. Is there anything else you'd like to say about the D tendency when it comes to change? Well, you'll see that if it's a situation that they can't control, they'll go find a situation they can control. Hmm. So you're seeing a lot of interesting things crop up with, well, I, I can't do this. So I'm now going to go do this. And people step into maybe leadership or direction in areas that they wouldn't normally, or maybe shouldn't be mm-hmm. um, because they're just trying to control something. Right. You feel like they've got some sense of control. Okay. That can make sense. And I can see how that could be productive or it could be counterproductive mm-hmm. in both ways. Yep. And I, my secondary tendency is D and I see it happening in myself where I'm like, I'm literally like, I just got to go find something that I'm in charge of. So then I'll just feel better. And it could literally be like organizing the shed, Yep. but I'm at least in charge of it. <laughs> yep. I can see that. And I can see how that can happen for any D. Would you like to move on to the I tendency? Yeah, absolutely. So traditionally we talk about I tendencies and they've got that desire um, for social acceptance and they're always looking at the people, like how are the people being affected? And so in a change environment, when a change is happening, that is what their focus is going to be on. Where am I in this? Like, do I still matter? Mm -hmm. And how are the people around me, the people that I care about going to be affected? And so that could be, again, a work environment, family environment, a, a community environment, whatever they're thinking of. They're always thinking about the people. And then they're thinking about their place in the midst of that. That can be, I'm guessing right now, that could be kind of a tough, it can be a tough thing to hold on to right now because a lot is unknown and people are trying to figure out how can they help. Yes, absolutely. And that's kind of what we talked about last time, right? So then in order to move through a change that they can't necessarily control, they'll look to do things that serve people and put themselves in some sort of, um, I don't want to say significance or value, but those are the best words I have right now where they understand what their place is in all of it. Like, where am I supposed to be? So they'll create opportunities or projects around that people and themselves having some sort of place in it all. Gotcha. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the I tendency? As we think about the different tendencies, you know, we can look at others and see what's happening with them. I think it's also to important to remember that we can help people process through change. Um, So when I, you know, you say what else about the I tendencies, it's that realization of like, wow, 
how can we help them people is how I always call it, right? How can I help them be engaged with people? So moving through this change might be easier for them. And that would be the same thing with a D. Like, what are some things I could like put in the position of a D that they feel like they have some control over that would then help them with this change? So in the case of the I, if you're within a business, it might be finding them, oh, finding them a job that they know that you know is going to impact a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. They are they are the ones that you know are going to bring that connection amongst your organization together. Let's move on to the C tendency. Well, we can't miss the S's. We can't oh. skip the S's. <laughs> I I jumped right over the S's. I do apologize, my stability <laughs> friends, my steadiness <laughs> friends out there, because uh, I'm one of them. Uh, tell me a little bit about how S's tend to uh, respond in change. Um, one of the limitations of the S is um, they can be people pleasers. So it's really kind of funny, like if they were literally skipped over, they'd be like, no, it's okay. I'm fine. You can move <laughs> on to the C's. It's all right. And then we because... go home and cry ourselves to sleep. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have a natural gift in making sure everyone's needs are met. When that is overextended, that can kind of be people pleasing. Um, that's totally a judgment word, but I'm just using it to create a picture. Um, and even forget what maybe their own needs are or forget um, what's the goal? Like, what are we here really to do? Because they're just trying to help everyone else feel okay. Right. And one of my greatest concerns for S's as a tendency is that because they're so gifted at taking care of everyone else, that where in that space are, are they taking care of themselves? You see S tendencies a lot in service industries. I think we mentioned this last time. Mm -hmm. um, and the way an S actually processes through change is they just kind of suck it up and deal with it. Because I love that you're like laughing and nodding. I'm like, oh, so you're <laughs> resonating with that statement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you just do. I don't know. Like uh, suck it up and deal with it is a very personal thing for me with dealing with a disability, a physical disability. So maybe that's part of why I've become an S is dealing with that because throughout my life, you just, you just do. And lots of people in lots of walks of life and in lots of different situations also, I'm not trying to put myself above them. A lot of them also suck it up and deal with it. That is honestly one of my go-to things, uh, like phrases or mantras is just, it's okay, suck it up and go, push, right? So yeah, when you say that, it causes me to smile. It causes me to kind of connect directly to that. Yeah. And depending on the, um, maybe the intensity of that strength, sometimes that's a good thing, right? Like you can just move through things, move through things and it creates resiliency, but to an extreme, it might not always be a healthy mode of operation. Definitely. And so my, again, my concern for S's is, is, is where, where are, where are they in all of this? And generally speaking, S's, because one of their psychological needs is stability. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the word stability and change are pretty much opposed to one yeah. another. <laughs> They're a juxtaposition for sure. <laughs> that then change is a little bit more difficult for S tendencies um, because there's so much uncertainty. There's so many unknowns. 
um, that they don't know the impacts and they have a people focus as well, along with the eyes, where then they, they wanna know, well, how is, how is everyone going to be okay? And what is my role in this? Like, I wanna make sure I'm meeting the needs. So I, I need the information to know that I'm meeting the needs of, of how this change is going to impact. Gotcha. You wanna move on to the C's now, as I <laughs> didn't, didn't mean to try and skip over our S friends, including myself. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's really interesting because I was finishing up with the S's talking about information, right? Like they kind of wanna know the how, well C's wanna know the why. Okay. Um, they C's, want that data. Yes, yes. <laughs> like you'll hear from a, a C tendency, myself included. Well, I'll be like, well, that just doesn't even make any sense, right? Like if it's not logical, if it doesn't make sense, then it's easy for a C tendency to just qualify it as ridiculous. And why are we even doing this? Um, I'm literally using words that happen in my own head as <laughs> sure, because it's something you connect to. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think one of the things that's been hard for me, I guess I'll talk about myself in the midst of change, is I'm always looking for what the plan is. And I, I say that often, like, okay, I, I usually have plan A, B, and C already mapped out in my head when I go into a situation. Well, sure. when change is so constant, my mind is exhausted because like my plan A, B, and C has either worked or not worked or been thrown out multiple times, multiple ways when change is constant. Yep. And, and so, it's things coming in that are out of your control. Yes, exactly. And so I'm like, I can't even tell you, you should ask my leader right now. She's like, I know you want a plan. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, and I'm trying to make the plan, but we need a plan. <laughs> right. Is there anything else you want to add about the C tendencies and, and how they respond to change? I think the thing that's maybe been helpful for me um, is to learn how to let go of it having to be perfect. And um, my executive director um, has kindly reminded me of that, that in the, in the plan and wanting it to be perfect, where is the room for it also to be organic and for it not to have to be absolutely pitch perfect? And that is something I continue to work on. And when I do, I, it is helpful for me as I, as I move through change. Like I don't have to have all of the information and all of the answers all of the time. Mm -hmm. If I can just maybe narrow it down to what's the focus and the direction, the other things will come together. I gotcha. And it sounds like it's something that you guys are working on and working on together. Yes. And it's, it's really interesting because I said I wanted to like shift towards logic and emotion in all of this um, because as I'm sharing with you, like my techniques for managing myself through change, I'm reflecting that it's, it's really then how am I moving past that high emotion of reacting to change into, okay, well now how am I going to get through this change? So as we know, when there's a high emotion and if we think about it like our bubbles, right? When there's high emotion, our logic gets compressed. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about that. And you just kind of alluded to it. How do we bring back logic and emotion into balance? Yeah. So as this relates to change, yes. we know that, you know, the first, first reaction to change is going to be some sort of emotion. So instantly our logic and emotion are out of balance. I think it's important 
there's so many ways to approach it, right? So if I've initiated a change or if I see someone in the midst of what we call the change box, right? They're in the box and they're swimming through the emotion of reacting to change. The best thing I can do for them, the most helpful thing I can do for them is to listen. listen. Yay. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Didn't mean to jump in there, but I really was excited and knew the answer. So I had to. <laughs> yes. Yes. So everything we teach, right, is around that listening, right? How are we supporting people solve their own problems, process their own change, manage their own personal growth? Well, we do that through listening and we're skilled at it and we teach it and that's what we do. What I'm starting to shift my own mindset toward is, okay, well, that's great. Like I know how to help somebody, but what happens when I'm the one, right? Like I'm the one dealing with the change. Yeah, absolutely. I've been through some of that. So what have you found or what, what do you recommend? Yeah. So I'm the one dealing with the change. My logic and emotion are completely out of balance. And I was sharing the the logic and emotion bubbles with a group of teenagers while we were still in in person schooling and I had written it up on the whiteboard and was starting to fill in the bottom part of the bubble with all of the emotions that anyone could ever feel about anything and I was having the teens just shout out words like give me emotions about how you might be feeling about exams right and they're just they're like stressed, confused, doubtful, failing. Like they're just whipping, excited, um, anticipatory. Like they're just whipping up all of these emotion words. So much so you run out of space. And then I paused. And, and this brilliant voice from the group says, wow, if my brain is filled up with all of that emotion, there is no way I could even talk myself through being successful. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Because the logic is gone. So like, if we picture that when we are caught up in all of that emotion, like I want to be like, well, here are the top five ways to bring your emotion back into balance. My logic space is like, yeah, that's cool. I'm still emotional. (laughs) Yeah. That's the truth. Yep. Um, so for me, I think one of the, the key things, right? So I'm in that emotional state, which is fine. Like I think emotional gets a really bad rap. Emotions are good. Like emotions are data points. Emotions are telling us something about ourselves and something about how we are feeling to what's happening around us. I think that in itself could be its own podcast someday talking about, you know, how emotions are looked at and why they are good for us and why they shouldn't be deemed as, you know, get over it and don't have emotions at all. Um, We don't need to go any deeper than what you stated, but it really got me thinking about that as a possibility. So if I look at the emotion as a data point, Mm -hmm. it's then telling me something. Right. So for me, I first have to be aware right? I have to be aware that I'm either talking faster or my heart rate has increased or my hands are moving or I'm talking louder or I'm pacing or I'm feeling tension in my chest or my stomach is sick. Emotions show up somewhere physically. So my first go-to is becoming aware like, oh, okay, I'm 
I'm having a response to whatever is happening around me. Right. Then I have to identify it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, and here's me like tapping my fingers because that's how I think in my head. Like, <laughs> all right. Like, okay, well, what's happening? What am I feeling? I literally, before I got on the phone to um, record this podcast with you, was on with a colleague because I needed to vent and she listened to me. And as I was venting, I was actually going through like, you know, I think I'm angry. No, maybe I'm actually just disappointed. Well, I could be confused. Yeah, I'm really angry. Why am I angry? So it was almost engaging that logical mind back into the process. Right. Trying to identify and trying to um, figure out what's really going on with your emotions and why do you feel the way you feel? Yes, absolutely. And so then it's like, and then that quickly shifts to like, self-analysis of like, okay, well, I'm angry. Like I settled, I settled in the conversation on the word angry. And then I was like, okay, well, what about the situation is making me so angry, right? So what value of mine is triggered? What need isn't being met? Um, those are going to be the two top things, right? That goes back to our onion slide. Sure. So it has me having to go, okay, so what's going on with me? Yep. Right. Why is this bothering me? Why am I so angry? And once I do that, then I can take a deep breath, right? And so intentionally engaging in the pause because of the awareness, identifying the feeling, so important that we identify and acknowledge our feelings and then saying, okay, well, what is this really about for me? Going back to the practicing the pause, which we talk about, but we don't necessarily overly teach, but we always encourage people to like, you just need to pause, you need to practice the pause. There are so many techniques I could have used in that moment of realizing that I was out of balance, that my emotion and logic were out of balance. I chose to call a friend. I chose to call a friend an event. Uh, It was also a friend that could have some information for me to help solve my problem. Sure. Should I have asked? She listened. I could count on that. Yep. And then I did have the opportunity to say, okay, now that I know these things about myself, right? I'm angry and here's why. I was able to say, coach me, help me understand now how I can best handle this situation that I'm angry about. And so I was able to then have that logic come back into play and have a colleague support me through that. Other ways to practice the pause. I chose to phone a friend and vent. Other things are, I could have gone out for a walk. It was a gorgeous day in Michigan, yeah. which is really exciting to say, right? Like yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> when these start to happen, everyone's like, you have to go outside. <laughs> no, it's almost like if we were in regular work time, it may be like, no, just stay clocked in, take a day. You're fine. Whatever. It's good. It's 65 in April. Let's, let's soak it up. Yes. So I could have chosen to just step outside. I could have walked around the compound. Mm -hmm. I could have um, just sat on my deck and listened to the birds. I could do some deep breathing. Um, Music. Go ahead. Music. Music is one for me that I drop. I just, I just put some music on and it helps me kind of zone out and not, you know, not shut my brain off a little bit and I think about the lyrics um I think about 
the sound i just that's one of them for me but. yeah absolutely there's actually um a lot of science it's probably another conversation but there's some science behind like doing something rhythmic gotcha. so that's why like walking at a pace or music or the breathing, like getting into a rhythm actually settles our, our body's rhythm down hmm. so that then that emotion can actually just kind of settle down and, and release. Makes sense. Some people have a, a spiritual practice of meditation or reflection, um, people journal, people color, like whatever it is, is that that will create just a moment of just taking a pause and just getting grounded is so key. So being aware, practicing the pause, and then starting to identify what's going on with me. I'd like to mention a really quick and simple story about this practice, the pause when you see someone else who needs to do it. Ooh, tell because, me more. Well, I said something to my wife in the past week that made her upset. Um, I knew it when I, after I finished saying it and that I probably should have whisked, you know, held it back. But for myself, the reason I said it was because I was frustrated about other things. And as she needed time to go pause and take that emotion in, I realized pretty quickly what was going on with me. So I went to try to fix the situation. I went to go talk to her and tell her, Hey, this is what's going on. It's not you it's dealing with this and yada, yada. Now sitting here thinking about it, I probably should have given her more time. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it was a matter of minutes that I did give her, but she, you know, even though I knew what was going on and I needed to apologize and I knew in the end she would accept that apology, she was still in that state of pause of being upset and not wanting to say something back or, or being rude and also being hurt. And so therefore she needed to take a moment and I probably should have allowed her to have a little more time. So in respect of seeing other people needing a pause, keep that in mind that sometimes they do need more time than what you're ready to give them. Yeah. That is an excellent example, Adam, because it really, it's like almost you, you continue to inflate the emotion of your wife. You, you didn't give her that chance to let that emotion come back down where then she would be able to hear you. Right. And you could come to an understanding together. Right. Right. And even though I knew, like I said, that the explanation would make sense and it would be okay in the end, um, not giving her that time did kind of reinflate it a little bit until it started to sink in. And uh, But honestly, had I waited longer, I think it could have gone a little smoother everything is fine. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> and that was just something, to be honest, something silly and not even certainly not worth the reaction that I gave it. Yeah. But like I said, I was stressed on other points. And so, um, that's, that was, it was trying to fix the situation afterwards. I realized I could have given her a little more time. Yeah. That's a really good point that you bring up. Like, so for one, there's the awareness of like timing, right. And how do we we recognize like what's going on for me, but what's going on for this other person and how to kind of balance those needs together. But also your acknowledgement of like, there was so many other things going on at the same time, right? So then there's like, there's probably like 20 emotional and logic bubbles happening. Like, and if we really think about our lives in general, we probably all have multiple logic and emotion bubbles that mm -hmm. at any given time are either in balance or out of balance. 
And when one becomes more inflated than the other, things get pressed on and pushed on and our capacity to adjust and manage through the change becomes harder. Yeah. I just, and it's, it's energy. And this is so much of what we teach. Like people are like, well, I just can't do that. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a can do or can't do. And I think there's like a Yoda quote that is supposed to come out of my mouth right now. Something like uh, there is no do or there is no, actually, I think he says there is no try only do. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> so it's not that we can't do it. It's like, are we taking the time to pause and then remember, oh, this is probably what's happening with me. Oh, maybe I should listen right now. Oh, wow. That's their tendency happening. That's well, that's interesting. Like maybe it's not about me. Like it's not that we can't do it. It's that we're capable if we just pause and take the time to get curious with ourselves, get curious about what's going on with others and practice that intentional care of how are we reacting interpersonally together? There's so much there's so much going on right now. And I know we've been really intentionally like trying to craft these conversations so that they can be used in, in a global and timeless environment. But if we think right now about what's happening in the world, people's emotions and logic are so far out of balance. You see all of it all across social media. Like there's absolutely no ability for people to manage their reactions and it's, it's disheartening. And it's all because we're under this enforced change that we have no control over. And so I think we're all probably realizing what it must be like to be a dependency and feel this psychological need of being able to control our environment be ripped away from us mm -hmm. and recognizing how are we reacting to that what's going on with the change process? Where am I at in that? And how is my emotion and my illogic, illogic, that was funny. How is my emotion and logic either in or out of balance? Okay, Sarah, as we wrap up today's podcast, what are your key takeaways for our listeners? I think the, the biggest takeaway I would like listeners to understand is that we talked about multiple different content pieces. Like we talked about change, we're talking about disc, we're talking about logic and emotion and just the realization of how they all interrelate. And I think the big one for our topic today was recognizing that when we are in a state of change, we're going to have some sort of emotion about that and that emotions are okay. And just recognizing and being able to identify them and then process through them. Beautiful summary. That was wonderfully said and wonderfully well done. Thank you, Sarah, so much for taking the time to talk today. Yeah, I really enjoy these conversations, Adam. And my, my greatest hope is that our listeners are learning from them, that they're having their own ahas. I feel like you and I have our own ahas while we're sitting here chatting together. And know that there's additional resources. Um, we have ongoing opportunities to engage with our content and learning through our website and our Facebook and our LinkedIn so my, my greatest hope for our listeners is that they don't feel alone, that they feel like we have resources for them um, and that they go forth and access them and we look forward to engaging with them in the future.
If you have any suggestions about subjects for our podcast, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in taking a class, visit ourcommunitylessons.org. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. And don't forget, each word, each action, each silent moment of listening sends a message. Therefore, you are the message.